So uh, Peter's going through, going through Joppa, and uh, here are saints. He's not only going to the lost people, but he's going to the saints, the Christians, the church. All Christians are saints, aren't they? Every one of them. They're all saints. Holy ones. Hagias. There are no special ones. All of us are saints. And uh, we're no less than Peter or Paul as far as that's concerned, as far as being in Christ. They had uh, different duties. They had quite the position being apostles, but still yet saints are saints. And uh, so anyway, and you'll see that quite frequently at, at this stage of the game is what they call them. And... Um, Runs into this guy, uh, Aeneas, eight years, paralyzed. The word is paraluo, and of course we get our word paralytic. It's a, basically a disease that would be characterized from the loss of any kind of motion, any kind of power, strength, uh, be damaged to the motor centers, you know, the, the brain, uh, the spinal cord, and that would be the kind of paralysis that we're talking about here. Uh, it was always very serious, and uh, it uh, really was, at that time, there really weren't any treatments. really was no hope, and uh, it was permanent, and it would deteriorate. Um, and so they probably wouldn't be able to um, live a long time after that. It would be progressive. So Peter had been moving around. He's involved, and what a fantastic opportunity that arises. Uh, what, a, what a time for a ministry there. And we notice that um, people there in Lydda and Sharon, area that's local there, um, says they they all turned to the Lord. I haven't really gotten to that verse yet. But this is affecting a lot of people in that whole area. And I think that's pretty significant that Peter takes one man, everybody knows his condition, and he wasn't going to get better on his own. There was no doctor that was going to be able to help him. And then, just like that, we, we see this great miracle. And so it's a ministry with one man, but it's literally going to touch hundreds and hundreds of people. One man. One ministry. So, quite effective. You know, it can be effective when people are talking to masses of people. But it's also effective whenever we get involved with one person. Because, of course, that one person is, is uh, vital to the Lord. Uh, gives them the gospel and they, if they trust Christ. Uh, who knows what they could do with that. But that one person, uh, is that's, that's the focus. That's, that's how we uh, really go and, and bring people the gospel is one-on-one. Best way, and um, of course we've seen where masses of people happen at times, and that that's really good too. We like to see that, but uh, don't ever underestimate the power of meeting one person and just giving them the truth. Quite the encouragement for us there. And we see that this is really for the glory of Christ, because Peter he recognizing what what the man. Is what his condition's in, and he said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. You notice Peter's done a lot of miracles during this time. We go back to uh, early part of Acts, and we've seen that he's done some amazing things. 
And he could have just said, Aeneas, just get up. Start walking. But he really doesn't do that at first. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. He doesn't take any credit for this. He'll never take any credit. Jesus Christ makes you well. That's a great statement. Even though it's as simple as can be, we say, well, of course. Jesus does it. But Peter knew that in and of himself, he had no ability of himself to do that. But through Christ, he did. So he knows it's not his power. He wants to exalt Christ, doesn't he? And that's that's the main part of what anything is that, that we do. Um, think of Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in Him and the power of His might. A lot of power words there. Strong, might, power. We don't have any strength elsewhere, do we? That is our strength. And so no matter what uh, what it may be and doing any kind of ministry and just living the Christian life, it's always the, the strength of the Lord. Um, go to Acts 10, 25, 26. Again, you have Peter. He's at Cornelius' house. He entered Cornelius, met him, fell at his feet, and worshipped him. Cornelius started worshipping Peter. But Peter raised him up saying, Stand up! I too am just a man. <laughs> Can you imagine? Somebody actually worshiping. That happens with Paul later on. And a lot of times whenever people see some amazing things, uh, they start to worship the uh, the create, uh, creature rather than the Creator. Um, go back to Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Way back there. This is the lame man that was healed. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name and the very authority of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. There again, he's given him all the glory. He knows where his strength comes from. So, But it would have been awfully easy for a guy like Peter just to take it for granted and you know, just kind of leaving Jesus' name out and making it look a little bit like he's got the power here. But uh, that's not going to happen. Look in 1 Peter 4.11. He knows where his strength comes from. Always. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving. If you serve, serve. By the strength which God supplies. Whatever you do, whatever you do to use your gift that He's given you, your gifts, combination. Whatever you do, do it. If you speak, if you serve, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's all about His glory. Something simple. I think almost. I think I would like to think all Christians would be to say that uh, we live for His glory. We certainly uh, want to keep that in mind, but sometimes it's kind of be something we can forget. But, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to Him who is able 
to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's right at the end of a great prayer there. And, uh, of course, he recognizes that uh, all the power, any kind of energy and strength that we have, Paul is saying it's, it's all his, it's his glory. So we see that over and over and over and over. And uh, how could you not? That's, that's what this is all about. And simple. It's a simple little text that we're dealing with tonight, but it's very profound when you see what uh, God does. Glory is never for us. Uh, we can't ever say, I did this for the Lord and I did that. You know, I, I actually have heard um, a person actually say, I would like you to meet one of my converts. And then went on to say, that's not the Lord's, that's my convert. I did that. Whoa, that's sad. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. You know what happened to It's what the Lord does through us. We are the we're just instruments, aren't we? Well Peter gives him command. Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, make your bed. Get up. Christ has healed you. Get up. <laughs> now, you know, he just didn't go in and, and zap and, and Aeneas shoots out of the bed. You know, he, uh, he tells this is what Christ is going to do. Tells him what he is to do. It's an act of what he's supposed to do. Although all the strength has come from the Lord. It's all the Lord's strength. But he still has to get up. And he does. You know, he had to exercise that. And you remember whenever Jesus healed the uh, the blind man and he had the saliva, you know, the, the clay on his eyes. And then he made the guy go clear across town. You remember that? Go wash. Uh, but the man is obedient. And you'll notice obedient quickly. Matter of fact, something better. Immediately, he got up. True faith obeys. Trust and obey, right? He just trusted that. Uh, you know, he couldn't have got up. He never could have. There was no way in his own power that he could have just got up. But how do you get up? Well, he made some kind of effort. <laughs> I'm sure he probably forgot how to get up. But all the strength is from the Lord there. <laughs> probably not. He's probably springing up and ready to start running or whatever. But you know, he you know he has truth here delivered to him. He believes uh, in the fact that he that he gets up. What kind of a guy was he before this? Was he a believer? Was he a non-believer? We don't get any information. All we know is that Peter comes to him, uh, says Christ heals you. Now you you get up, and immediately he did it, and there it is. And you go. Wow, that's that's amazing. This is our God does this. And uh, Peter 
Just happened to be there at the right time, at the right place. Ha <laughs> ha, did you catch that? Just happened to be. <laughs> what a coincidence. With God, there are no coincidences, are there? It's a divine appointment. Little did Peter know that day what would be happening, but he was definitely ready and willing to do whatever God did. You notice that every time in the Bible when you hear about healing where Christ is involved and this kind of healing, it's it's absolute. It's complete. I mean, it's a done deal. It's always complete. The miracle is not something that they have to wait for like weeks and months and a year or two. I mean, this this is a, a total cure here. The whole part of life that he had, it was done away with. In a matter of a split second, he's paralyzed and now he's not. That quick. Only God can do that. What kind of results do we get out of this? Well, verse 35. The glorification of God here, but then it also is pointing something even, well, even more than just a miracle in itself. And all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. That's how God used this to be able to get to more people. He's just expanding out all over everywhere. And then he uses Peter and this news gets out and and all of a sudden you have instant believers all over the place. They turn to the Lord. They turn to the Lord. Epistrepho means to turn around. Epistrepho, turn around. Um, Now, you notice that Nobody's really getting messed up with Peter and really worshiping him. It's they're turning to the Lord. Aren't you glad they didn't start some kind of Peter cult right there? They could have. I mean, this is an amazing thing. Look what this man did. And of course you remember back in Acts eight, there was a guy there, Simon Magus, who would have done that. He would have had and he did he did have his own cult, he had his own following. But this is a turnaround. Jesus is a turnaround. People turn around and go the other way from the way they were going. So they turn to the Lord. Just uh, kind of interesting. This kind of language is... We take this... When we read Acts, it's so self-explanatory. It's, you're reading a story, and you can get the depth just by reading it. But if if you slow down just for a moment, you think about certain terms that we use. Yeah, he turned to the Lord. Did you hear about him? Sometimes we'll use that kind of phrase. Um, well, let, let's look of that kind of similar nature going through Acts a little bit here. Chapter 3, verse 19. Now, this you have the lame man healed. Then you have the preaching of Peter and John. And here you have near the end of the message, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. Repent and return. It's, it's related to that. Go to chapter 11, verse 21, and we'll see the same word, the same terminology. Strike again. Eleven twenty-one. And also, let's see, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned 
to the Lord. Turn to chapter 14, verse 15. All these people turning to the Lord and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. So, turning from their old way of life, their old nature, to the living God, the Creator God. Chapter 15, verse 19. Therefore, it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles. Chapter 26, verse 18. A lot of people turning to the Lord, aren't there? All through Acts 26.18 to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. So they're turning from the darkness and they're turning to the light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. We can go on and on. Get the idea? Turning to the Lord That's what they did. They saw what Peter did. And it was all from the strength of the Lord. And don't you know that I'm sure that they wanted to hear more things about the Lord after that. So I'm sure there were great opportunities for Peter to disciple. And uh, maybe he would be preaching to groups, small groups, individuals. But that one person that he went to got this going. Now, he's in a little place called Lydda. About 10 miles from Joppa, 25, 30 miles from Jerusalem. That kind of gives you, you know, it's kind of west, slightly northwest of Jerusalem. And God's got him there for another reason. Happens to be a lady by the name of Dorcas. About ten miles away. So God calls him to go there. There's this lady, and we get to see the availability of Peter here again. And this is a significant opportunity because the paralytic is quite significant. But this is even more amazing because this person is dead physically God works miracles through those apostles and you just see amazing things here and the sovereignty of God the providence of God he just happens to be in the area the people have heard about this well when they heard about Aeneas that probably got word that hey that apostle Peter's around here there are Christians remember they've been turning to the Lord for a little time now and uh, so word is out that he's he's somewhere in uh, in the area. So it says in verse 36, now in Joppa or Jaffa or the Tel Aviv area there was a disciple named Tabitha which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, 
Now notice that little phrase. Since Lydda just happened to be <laughs> near Joppa, or Peter just happened to be in the area, the disciples, and we're not talking the twelve there, just learners, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. I find that rather fascinating. We'll go back to that. So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. She sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. We see how God is working. This God has a plan. Peter is an itinerant pastor. He's just going wherever the Lord is leading him. I think it's just fantastic. And you see the Lord in this. I mean, you see the glory of the Lord all throughout this. It's not just by happenstance. Well, here we go again. And this word for disciple, now in Joppa, there's this disciple named Tabitha. It's mapetes. But it's the feminine form of disciple. It's kind of interesting that we'd have it there. Um, this woman gets quite the honor here. Um, she's a marvelous woman. Quite a disciple. And I think in every purest sense that can be, she is an example of what a disciple is. That's what a disciple should be. She was really fulfilling. Um, and I'll show you. It says, this woman was abounding abounding with deeds of kindness. The word there, abounding, is just full. Um, A personification here, I believe, of what a Christian is to be done. I I think we're talking about being full of the Holy Spirit as she's doing all these things. She was doing the things that a Christian is designed to be. Quite the the spiritual example. That fullness, that word there for... um, abounding uh, or fullness. It means to be totally devoted to or totally controlled by. Of course, she's controlled by, uh, I believe, definitely the the Holy Spirit here. And these, we see fruit of the Spirit there and her kindness and all the charity, everything that uh, she does. She is just simply loved by people. And specifically, she made clothes for the ladies there. She made clothes for them. And uh, the word in the Greek there is um, that it's kind of like a, a non-profit organization. These deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. Um, she had quite, quite a business going on and she supplied them clothes. She's the one who did the things for the poor. She did the things for the needy. Um, 
the widows there. So she personified how a Christian does. And so we get her introduced as she is dead. And she fell sick. She died. But God knew that she was going to be one that was going to have to go back and live here on earth here for a little while longer. I saw Zach. That's the one that gets me. It's like the poor lady did her job. She passed away and then she gets called back. Yep. God will do that sometimes. <laughs> and then you got Stephen who was really getting into his ministry and God just took him and didn't send him back. Nope. Well, she um, certainly is a virtuous woman. And we have to go back to Proverbs on that. We remember that, don't we? Very last Proverb, chapter 31, verse 20. Actually, that whole chapter starting around verse 10. Um, she extends her hand to the poor. This is verse 20. She stretches out her hands to the needy. Of course, she could probably... Uh, verse 22. She makes coverings for herself. Uh, she made coverings for everybody else. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. So anyway, she was definitely loved and known. And I can imagine, you know, the ladies that were around there certainly were going to miss her. And they definitely were going to miss the clothes that she provided for them. <laughs> what am I going to do now? I don't have anything to wear. But you know what? What's interesting is that um, they washed her body and nothing's really surprising about that. In the Mishnah, there was a, to be a, a, a washing but immediately there was to be a burial. Always. That's what they would do. Someone dies, you wash them, and you don't wait for three days to go bury them. Or today they wait sometimes a week. I've seen it where people have waited a couple of weeks. You know, they can, they can hold those bodies and, you know, as long as they want, I guess, now. You know, they preservatives. But uh, it, it would be immediate at that time in the Middle East. And, you know, you're talking... Uh, hot weather and such. But they laid her body in an upper room. Now we read that and we go, okay, they're going to have a funeral and they're going to have visitation, so this is going to last for a while, you know, a couple of days. No. This is this is something right here to, to play a hold of. That they laid, laid her in an upper room. And I think we get it because they send two guys after Peter. No, don't bury her yet. Let's check out Peter first. That's quite the faith. She's already, she's dead. You know. Well, did you hear about Lazarus? <laughs> I'm sure they've heard some of those stories that Jesus did, and this is quite amazing. Um, anyway, they just put her up there on the second floor of the house, kind of get her away a little bit. Don't bury her. Why are they doing that? Well, Lydda is near Joppa. We're close. 
They know that Peter's there somewhere. They don't know where he's at for sure. They're going to track him down. And you know, they always find these guys. You know, and they're going to a pretty good sized city. I'm sure they're going to find anybody's going to know who Peter is. <laughs> the word has gotten around. So somebody's going to direct them there. Of course, God is doing all the directing. And uh, there they are. They um, have this faith to stick her upstairs, upper chamber, and they go get him. And it's interesting, since Lydda was near Joppa, since that's the case, the disciples, the learners, the rather learners there, having heard that Peter was there, we've seen saints, we've seen disciples. I like that. Follower. Learner. You like that? I'm a Christ follower. That's pretty good. A disciple. Having heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him. And notice this word. It's kind of fascinating. They were imploring him. I mean, these guys really believe. And they say, don't delay in coming to us. you got to go. Now, and they are imploring. It's more than just asking. They're entreating Him. They're more or less telling Him. Begging Him. Do not delay. Yeah, there's no question you're coming. Don't, don't, don't delay. Don't do what Jesus did for that three-day thing with Lazarus. You know, Come now. <laughs> or else she's dead. <laughs> So Peter arose and went with him. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. That's fascinating. It's almost humorous. Because, uh, but they were dear friends, and they're look what she did. You know, they're trying to show what kind of lady she was, and I'm sure they're thinking. Where are we going to get all the clothes we've been getting? They were good friends. I should, probably shouldn't say that. Um, they are very close to her. And it's like the Lord is saying, Look, Dorcas, um, I know you've been here a couple hours, or a few hours, but you're going to have to go back. <laughs> I don't want to thought, right? But it wasn't going to be for her benefit. And it really wasn't going to be for all the benefit for the other widows, although that definitely would be, because she really helped them and provided for them in a lot of things. But I think there's some lessons that go on past this, because we see that it's going to affect many people that weren't even at this house. Matter of fact, that's what it says, doesn't it? There were uh, expecting a whole area. So um, they're weeping, showing the tunics and the garments, and you can imagine all these ladies, and I don't know how many there are, but there are several, and Peter's saying, okay, out of here. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> you know, ladies get to talking and everything, you know, and they're they're realizing what, what has happened, what's going on here. And he just he says, You get out. All of you just go on out. <laughs> Could be. 
But they definitely want to show him what kind of lady she was. She must have been something. But you have to look at that next phrase. You gotta like it. He knelt down and prayed. Now he had to be building confidence all along. All the different miracles that he's done. And he could have just said, Tabitha arise. No, what does he do? Kneels down, he prays, and we know that that's that's the secret to any confidence that we have in anything in in the Lord is that we have to um, to seek Him out, and um, He knows that this kind of thing is what's going to take. It's about glory to the Lord, and uh, then turning to the body sounds very familiar. I think Jesus had done this before, hadn't He? Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. What a story. Um, all right. What, what else can you say? This is, this is one of the most awesome miracles that, that you see in the Bible. The next part is really amazing to me. Having been a cardiac nurse, and doing CPR on patients who have died, mm-hmm. and they come back to life, and the first thing they do is open their eyes. And that's amazing, you know. And to read it here, I kind of liken it to that. And it's like, in, you know, in both cases, God doing it, it's not because we're doing CPR on them or anything. Of course, at that time, I didn't believe that. Now you can look back at it now and you can go and you can see just like spiritual life. You know, people are dead spiritually. Well, here is the physical sense where a physical life um, comes back. So, uh, arise. And um, so, and it happens. You can imagine the the decay that was already kind of happening. I don't know how long. Look at how far it is between the two when you said it was close. It would have been a 20-mile round trip. It's 10 miles one way. It's going to take a little while, isn't it? It's going to take quite a while for them yeah. to get there and back. I mean, even rushing. Yeah. Because what are they, it's most, what are they taking? Horses or walking or? Most people walked during that time. I'm saying 10 miles, they're back to 20 miles round trip. That's, that could be a day, couldn't it? Well, it could it, it could be some hours, yeah. Yes, usually fifteen minutes a mile, and I'm sure they probably were in a lot better shape because they walk more probably faster than. But it's gonna it, there's gonna be some time elapse here. It's not gonna be like hopping in the ambulance and getting there within five minutes. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point because think about the, the decay that already is happening and it's reversed. Just like that. It goes back into a reversal. And there she is. She's just... Well, she's better now than she was before because she had been sick and then died. So as as good as she could be, you know, fresh, clean, and whole, just like new (laughs) in a matter of moments, less than moments. What a miracle. Peter was available. Peter is prayerful here. And he acknowledges, he knows it's all the Lord doing. He just happens to be the instrument that's there. What a a thing. Um, 
or the power power of God. You know, it would have been easy for a guy like Peter, the way that he had been, you know, before, and to kind of make it look like he's got a little power. Kind of feel that, right? Unbelievable things, but no, he knows. He knows full well what's going on. Uh, whenever we pray, you know what we're really saying? God, I'm impotent, and you're the powerful one. I can't do it, but you can. And that's in everything. Um, our next breath comes from Him. Every little movement that we have all comes from Him. Everything that we do, everything is from God. And when we now acknowledge it, the, the, just to have life in itself and to be breathing is an incredible thing because God is the one who's giving that to us. But to be able to function as we do and to, to do all we do, it's an amazing thing. Um, there were five young men who were in London. They were visiting there. And they went to this church they'd heard about. Amazing things happening there. The Word of God was preached by C.H. Spurgeon. And so they got there a little bit early. Doors were still locked. And standing on the steps there right in the front was this man. Uh, it was a gentleman. Walked up to him. He said, uh, would you like to see the heating apparatus of this church? And they're looking at each other and they go, well, I guess so. Yeah, why not? They're wondering, why would we... I want to go see the furnace, you know, the heating apparatus. But, you know, hey, it's, it's they're just now opening. Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, let's go. So he, he took them and uh, they went through the door, opened the, the door up there, and they went down the steps and they came to a hallway and it looked like it, it was going to be a dead end. They went to the end of that hallway and they go into this room, a huge room. And he says, young men, there is the heating apparatus. There were 700 people in that pretty large room all praying. Praying that the power would happen that Sunday when the Word of God would be preached. 700 people were on their knees in prayer. They did that every week at Spurgeon's church. That many got before church even started. That is incredible. So we know a little bit of the secret to see eight Spurgeon. <laughs> Look at all the people that were praying. Wow. The uh, heating apparatus of the church. <laughs> that was, you know who that man was that took him down there to show him that heating apparatus? That was C.H. Spurgeon himself. 